tonight, ladies and gentlemen, you got Chris Thomas. Jamal Thomas. And you're listening to the Running Back Sports Show, Sports for the Culture. What is going on, everybody? What is going on? Mm-hmm. And you're listening mm-hmm. to us on 98.5 WJYA and live on UptownRadioPhilly.org. So, um, I know we don't normally start with the culture, but I think starting with the culture and the culture at the same time uh, this week, I think we should talk about the women's Final Four. Uh, I have a lot of different thoughts on this, so I want to try to keep it all linear and you know get your thoughts on this as well. But instead of going straight into the game and straight into you know the end of the game and the aftermath of that, I actually want to talk about a point of something and something I'm wondering. You know, it's a topic that we talk about all the time. A topic we used to talk about a lot more when Carmen was on the show. Just, but how come the popularity that exists within the the college basketball ranks for women can exist in the WNBA. And I kept racking my brain and racking my brain. And because for whatever it's worth, colleges will always have their own shoehorned fan base based on, Hey, this is an academic place that I either attended or my father before I attended, or we grew up working for this school. So our family is going to their games for years, whatever the case, whatever the connection Right. People have these ingrained attachment. For better or worse, especially before NILs to something that they viewed as different from major sports is different from the machine, which is funny because it's always been a million to now billion dollar business, at least for the past 30 to 40, even close to 50 years, I would say. Mm-hmm. Right. But I think the thing for college women's college sports in general, but think about it. The women's college, um, the women's softball World Series is, is, is broadcast on what? ESPN. Constantly, whatever it's on, right? Mm-hmm. You know it's going to be on. College women's college basketball has its own channel there. ESPNW, um, you know, the the SEC channel. Women's college basketball games come on there, so it feels like the coverage and the exposure of women's basketball, of women's college women's basketball, and the pro game is so exponentially different. And the easiest thing is to say Title Nine plays into this. The history that's already ingrained in there because of the fact that women's college basketball has been a tradition for so lo- a lot longer than the WNBA has existed. And I understand that. But I'm just trying to figure out how how do we get the buzz around this Angel Reese and Caitlin Clark game or, 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 or like those Stewie teams or those DT teams or those Maya Moore squads or those Candace squads? How do we get that same love, that same coverage to truly follow them in the WNBA to where – the revenue is where it is, and the issue is the women aren't getting their proper share of it in and of itself, right? Let alone what they could be making and then would be getting a percentage of. So I wanted to get from you, what, why do you feel like, because I just noticed, like, even the Twitter engagement, the, the, the eyes of the world, people tweeting about it. It was like, it felt like more people know who Caitlin Clark is than John Quill Jones, or the fact, like the Liberty, pretty much have put together the Warriors, and no one cares, not a soul. But they have Sabrina Ionescu, Brianna Stewart, and John Quill Jones. For an NBA comparison, that's like putting Luca with KD and uh, and Jason Tatum. That's cheating, and no one cares. But. Angel Reese and Caitlin Clark was must see viewing. What, what, where do you where do you stand? And the thing is, is that the the final game between LSU and Iowa it got nine point nine million viewers. 
I was listening. Men's basketball, good luck with that. And the funny thing is, is that weeks ago, like I said, like honestly, over the years, the women's tournaments have been better than the men's. Consistently. Yeah. And I think also it has a lot to do with, obviously, I feel like the outdated rules, but when you have a league, like after like you've been in UConn for four years, because that's a requirement, or when you're 22 years old, there's only one of like 12 options you could legitimately go to. So from that aspect, I can understand why you have to stay like all four years. So therefore, it builds a storyline where it's like we we watch the league of Boston like grow b- between our eyes, going back to bed championships with Dawn Staley, and like we saw like Paige Buchers was supposed to be next, yep. but you know then she tore his ACL. Then all of a sudden, Caitlin Clark steals pretty much everything about her shine now. Yep, bar for bar. Yep, and now. LSU was, was probably deep, probably after South Carolina was eliminated because they had a whole undefeated season. They won 45 straight. And now you look at that team, everybody on that team is like 20, 21 years old. So they have a, they have literally the ability to run it back. Angel Reese is only 20 years old. Mm-hmm. So I think the issue is that I think now because – because you have the – because it's the combination of they're finally marketing, you know, these these women athletes for what they are. They're athletes. They're stars. They they have a story that wants you to engage and wants you to follow. They cook. They hoop. Like, Caitlin Clark was literally, like, pulling up, like, local jump shots, like, last year. That's how I figured out about her. And then when you combine that from, from what always used to be probably like Big Ten basketball has always been, you know, so prominent in college sports – we combine um, great players playing behind, you know, these legacy schools. And now these legacy schools is now UConn, uh, what Dawn Saley's been doing for South Carolina. And, like, now we're seeing these programs like LSU and, you know, like Baylor over the years. Like, we're now seeing, like, these great women who are now not only being showcased, but they also have the backing of a big school. Whereas, like, I feel like if – I feel like meanwhile we're in New York. It's like, listen, you got the Yankees, you got the Mets. Uh, basketball, you got even though people don't really care, they got they got Brooklyn the Barclays Center, and it doesn't matter really how terrible they are. Everyone's going to go to a next game on a Friday night. Yes, you are. Yeah, and it's no, it's like no disrespect to the Liberty, like the Liberty. But here's my argument, and I'm sorry to cut you off, but. If you're going to say, why would I choose that over any other thing? When their season is going on, they have no competition. Now, you could argue their competition is the Mets or Yankees, but I would argue that most Liberty games or WNBA games, especially because of how they understand the scheduling works, they schedule themselves around the baseball season. Yeah. I just I, I feel like there needs to be a true, like, actual – push from the media uh whether it's the the WNBA doing a new CBA however it goes but there needs to be an active push if this is going to change to get these women on TV to yeah. get these teams on TV yeah and but also the thing about the way that the WNBA is now is like honestly like their two biggest stars is Sue Bird and Diana Taurasi Two people who have had to put in nearly over 20 years, two decades of work just to get their notoriety. Mm-hmm. Then you got your then you got your Candace Parkers, who's been in the league for nearly 15 years 
then obviously the biggest story throughout the entire WWE season last year was Brittany Griner, and that was a non-basketball related story. I feel like if you want to capitalize on the popularity of regards to what we've been seeing in these college sports, you kind of need to put them in the league a lot sooner. That's the other thing, yeah. And because as – like, can you imagine Caitlin Clark, Aaliyah Boston, and Andrew Reese and Paige Buchers like all coming out in this draft right now? That'd that's be an how incredible you... top five. That's like a 1984 NBA draft. That's like a '96. That's, that's your. Like, that's a '03. That's a 2017. Like, like 20. Like, and yes, and with that, like everybody's careers is parallel to each other. Like we, and like that's something that you want to follow. Like, if you're a casual college basketball, like you know what? Hold on. Oh, Caitlin Clark. She plays for the Mystic. Oh, cool. The ability to inject elite-level talent at higher rates is what expands. Because at one point, the NBA was not popular because of its outdated rules. No no, no high school players, no players under a certain amount of years, and not really exploring the international market. And then now, think about how those things have changed, where now dudes don't even have to go to college. You can either play in the Ignite, you can go overseas, you can sit out a year and train, whatever you want to do. But now, as long as you have the talent, that's all that they care about. And exactly. yeah, it has hurt the men's college game to a certain extent. It's also, to me, allowed for schools like Gonzaga to be consistently good because why? Yeah, Duke may have got this great incoming class, but we've been playing together for four years. And to me, it does show you that at the end of the day, sometimes team ball wins more than anything else because these players have experience with each other and with the game at a higher level. Yeah. So it's cool to see that. It, I mean, just it look at, this rewards fin- teams look at like, their final four men's this year. Like, think about Kansas, right? Kansas hasn't produced a league guy – since Devontae Graham, really think about it. Kansas? Yeah. Like, think about it. But consistently, I would say they've arguably been more consistently good than Kentucky, than Duke recently. I mean, Andrew Wiggins is an all-NBA defender and NBA champion. No, 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 no. I mean, but he came out a decade ago. I'm saying to – okay. Are you talking about, like, right now or – No, I'm saying – okay, so my point that I'm making on pointing out Kansas, right, is that Duke has been good but not great the last decade, right? Yes, same with Kentucky, same with any other All the blue, blue blood, blood schools, right? Because they get these guys who they know, okay, you're going to leave for a year, but your talent is going to boost our floor. They're not worried about building a team the same way that they may have been in 18, 19, 1989 or 1990, right? Mm-hmm. Kansas took a step back and said, okay, we're, we may not get as many – uh, 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 Jason Tatum's and, and, and guys like that. But the guys we get, we can build with them in two, three, four years, still be consistently good, i.e. their national title last year, then probably should have winning it the year before that. So I say all that to say is that Kansas, to me, is the blueprint of college colleges, excuse me, colleges uh, being forced to play a different game, but also leveling the playing field, creating more parity. Think about it. This is an NCAA tournament where all of the number one seeds are going. That's awesome if you think about it. Then you had the point where you got to think about, like, Houston's a one seed, Purdue's a one seed. It's creating more parity and more leveling throughout all of college. Yeah, and in the Final Four, three of them have never won a title before. You know what I mean? And I think in the women's game, though, because of the rules that are built in, it's almost as if the best collections of talent happen to be in college. Because at the end of the day, a lot of these girls can go and play in Spain or go and play in Russia and make more money than if they play in the WNBA. That's the other thing. There's no there's no real appeal, especially with NILs now and the way colleges get behind their women athletes, the way that versus the WNBA clearly, right? 
where they can't even get charter flights. So I think with that in mind, what incentive would you have if you're Angel Reese, if you're Paige Bukers, if you're, you know, Caitlin Clark, truly to go to the WNBA? What incentive do you really have unless you're and now don't get me wrong, if you're just a pure hooper and you view going to the league, going to that next step as that next step, then you're gonna do that and you're gonna try to dominate and then do you put your best foot forward. Mm -hmm. I'm not doubting that. But I'm saying that let's say people could come out their first or second year, even if you change those rules, what incentive would you have in their shoes to come out, Chris? Man, if I'm making all this money. I mean, at this point, college You think LSU got charter flights for their teams? You feel me? They got sponsorships, bro. You feel me? Yeah. That's you. You, you feel me? You, you, who I'm, you, who I'm you just, think got a better meal plan? The Seattle Storm or the LSU Tigers? I'm just saying at this point, because of the NIL deals, all the money's in college now, man. Because think about it. Look, can, you, can you imagine how much money Reggie Bush would have made back in the day? No, but the only difference I will say is in the NFL, they can point to and say, oh, this is your NIL deal? That's cute. We can pay you $150 million guaranteed if you're worth it. You gamble on that. Yeah. MLB can say, oh, that's cool. You were in a couple commercials because you were in the College World Series. Here's 10 years, $422 million. Hockey. I can keep going. But you know who can't say that? I mean, but then again, very few baseball players get that. Get that no, no, no. And I understand that. Now, baseball players might be a bit more hesitant. And more importantly, you got to wait like six years before you can even get that kind now, of Okay, so fair. So baseball may be the only example that's a bit – but. That money is out there. Okay, is it out there at a more available rate than? Oh football yeah, I agree with no. that. The same with soccer. Like you can play internationally in soccer, get paid a lot more than you would at MLS. And so I'm sure if you're a soccer team, let's say college soccer was being broadcast on the way globally or not globally in the country that uh, college basketball and college football was, I would argue it would probably be more profitable to be an NIL college player than an MLS player, right? Yes. So with all that being said, the WNBA falls behind something that is in its infancy, in its 25th year of conception. That is a problem. Because, yes, it is part of a bigger beast being the NCAA and being college sports in general, so it comes with more money attached to it. Yeah. At the end of the day, the fact that if I look up, if we looked up who's the highest-paid player in the WNBA and who's the highest-paid um, NIL women's athlete in college, I, I'd be willing to bet a large amount of money that whoever that college athlete is is making more than that WNBA player. And that's a problem. And it shows that it, it, it makes it feel like, and if I'm looking at it from just a purely financial, forget the love of the game, I would feel like my ceiling is college. I would feel like, all right, well, I'm going to just be the big big woman on campus right now, ride it out, and then I'll either go overseas or I'll, or I'll, I'll turn it into a journalism job, i.e., you know, Candace Cheney. And, you know, they both played in a league, but, you know, some people played in the league for a couple of years in this slave, right, the ESPN, because this is more money than if I'm – you know what I mean? Yeah, because like, like financially wise, there's a shelf life to it. Exactly, and that's why they all of a sudden they start taking those jobs. Like obviously those two, Monica McNutt also, uh, Rebecca Lobo. Like, you know what I mean? Like, so Sue, Sue and Sue and DT, but Sue and DT, you know, like you said, they're they are the outliers of what it is like to have a long, super successful Kobe Jordan like career in, in WNBA. And not to say like Cheryl Swoops is a legend, probably the GOAT, and it's not to disrespect me, but if you look at just the amount of time they played versus the amount of time that Sue and DT both played and then to both be going out of this. Well no, DT still playing, right? Yeah. So to still be playing still be playing at a high level. And we we in what, year twenty one for DT? Yeah. That's crazy. So it's like I just was I just was thinking about that. But man, awesome tournament. Shout out 
to all the teams. Shout out to all the people tuning in. Shout out to South Carolina. Shout out to Dawn Staley for standing up for her players. And um, it's funny because when people speak on real stuff and then it happens right after it, it's just like, it's like the Shannon Sharp zone. It's like, bro, what you want me to say? I'm like, I, like clockwork. Like, what did I try to tell you? And as soon as Dawn spoke about how you cover these girls, how you treat them like that, and, and she didn't have to. She didn't have to mention race. She didn't have to make it a race thing. You knew what she was talking about. And then for the way that they covered this end of this championship game is, I don't even want. So let's get to the championship game. The Tigers of LSU versus the Hawkeyes of Iowa. Shout out to the boy Biggie who, we, we got to think the New Day's reuniting tonight on Raw, right? I would hope. I would okay. Hope so. Okay. Speaking of. Yeah, no. But um, be that as it may. Uh, great game. I don't know if you got to see any of the game, Chris. I was I was on a, I was on. A you were on home. the flight. All right, awesome, cool. Then I get to narrate for you what happened. So awesome first quarter. Caitlin comes out four or six from the f- floor from three. She's balling. She's pulling up from thirty five feet. But LSU is matching her shot for shot. So it's a back and forth game. In the second quarter, the best thing I can describe is one of. I don't know. I'm not even trying to be like hyperbole. One of the better college basketball runs I've seen in the, in the middle in the midst of a game. Where it was just LSU just turned it up a notch defensively. The shot making was a one. Uh, shout out Jasmine Carson. Obviously, shout out Angel Reese. Mm-hmm. Uh, like just their entire squad was just just cooking. Like, um, and it was funny because for a while Caitlin was finding the shooters, but they were, when they switched to a zone and made them uncomfortable. Caitlin couldn't really get going after that. They started to body her up, just throwing multiple women at her, and it was really nothing they could do. And I mean, to be honest, from that point, it was academic. The yeah. lead stays somewhere between 12 to 18 for the rest of the game. Got as high as 20. They made a small run and got it down to nine, but that was the closest it was, and that was maybe five minutes to go in the third. And from that point, LSU grooves, man, uh, yeah. a, a, a beat down. Yeah. But um, and unfortunately for Iowa, it's like you can't play, you can't play, you know, the sack off defense like it did with South Carolina. Exactly. And I so think LSU got shooters. Oh, do they? Yeah. And they were shooting that night. Yeah. Um. And obviously, you know, as the game winds down, um, LSU star uh, Angel Reese decided to let Caitlin know about it, uh, hitting her with the "You can't see me." Uh, obviously, popularized by Tony Yayo and uh, popularized by John Cena. Um, obviously, pointing to the ring finger. Kobe did it back in the day. So did Steph Curry. Obviously, insinuating we're about to get a ring. But then Joe Burrow did it. And then Joe Burrow also did it. AD did, did it, it in the bowl. <laughs> um, so you know. What we're trying to say is normal, goaded, um, for lack of a better term, she got that dog in her behavior yeah. that we as sports fans are taught to love. The 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 I'm putting up air quotes, the quote unquote toxic behavior that we're taught to love, the hate, but for real sports fans kind of love. So it's like the T.O.'s, the, the the people that's like, I'm going to let you know how good at what I just did was. Dion's the the anybody Larry Bird Magic like if you think about Larry Bird and Magic and what they did for the Renaissance of basketball right the thing that's so legendary about them and everyone from that era is Isaiah was known to talk crazy to you Jordan was known to talk crazy to you Larry was known to talk crazy to you Magic was known to talk crazy to you Barkley would talk crazy to you Dr. J would punch you in your mouth and talk crazy to you so this is the inception of what a lot of people would argue is the golden era of basketball right. Mm-hmm. And then you get the PG, I mean the the GPS, the KGs. You get the 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 Tony Allen's, the not Tony Allen, excuse me, the Pat Bev's, the Draymond's, the guys who talk crazy. You know what I mean? The guys with Dylan Brooks all the way down. That's part of basketball. 
and you know, excuse my not having as much knowledge of who are the best trash talkers in women's hoop history, but I've heard about the legendary Cheryl Miller. You know what I mean? Lisa Leslie will let you hear from time to time. Cheryl Swoops was talking to you. You know what I mean? DT will talk to you. So, you know, and obviously a lot of these young women, we let you know. And we saw yesterday those LSU girls was talking to those Iowa girls. And I was all with it because if Iowa had been kicking their behind, guess what? And Iowa would have been talking to them. I would have been all with it. You know what I mean? It's even Chris and I who, uh, you know, obviously are all Philly, everything. But our, our favorite, some of our favorite moments in sports are that in the greatest, most iconic moments, we seem to always find ourselves on the opposite side of the ring. Some like uh, 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 Jonathan Majors, Michael B. Jordan, you know, Creed three type of stuff. You know what I mean? Where it's just like uh, uh, always, you know, oh, this is my favorite guy. This is your favorite guy. And they go head to head. So it's funny that we know all about the, hey, one of us takes a L. The other one takes that victory lap. Talk your tr- talk. your talk. You know what I mean? But seeing some of the people, obviously, Lamo, Dave Portnoy to point out and, you know, a lot of these for lack not for lack of a better term for for honesty a lot of these white pundits coming out and trying to crucify this young lady for i don't know celebrating and not caring about how caitlin clark, now had caitlin clark never done that here's something i'm gonna tell you i still wouldn't have a problem with it if you don't want me to win the way i want do make me not win it. do something if i am from that school and like, and people have this thing of like, oh well, what are we teaching the children? Be better. And I mean that, and I don't mean in like this harsh. We don't coddle our children, or we don't tell their children, hey, you did great. And no, but if you want this person, to, I would tell, I would tell my daughter, whom I love very much, and if I had a son, I would tell him the same thing. I don't like that this person did this after they won. Okay, well next time, you know how you stop that? How you win. You do everything in your power. You work as hard as you possibly can. And guess what? Even if you lose, guess what you'll know? Even if they're doing that next time, they'll know that they felt you. And that's the truth. And that's all you can do with sports, because especially team sports, is control what you control and let the chips fall where they may. Yeah. Kaylin Clark is going to be, a, I'm not even trying to be funny, a thousandaire, millionaire, whatever. At this point, she may already be and then will be when she gets to the WNBA. That's not going to matter to her. The rest of those girls, some of them will go to the league, some of them won't, but their lives will be fine, and that will not matter. And guess what? Angel Reese is going to be a star in the WNBA in a couple of years, and it's not going to matter. And guess what? Anytime that she wins or loses, people are going to celebrate and taunt to her, and there's going to be losers who are going to be like, oh, remember this? And it's like, this girl's out here living her dream, playing a professional sport, and you're on Twitter talking trash on her, and she is the loser? She's the disgrace? Nah, I think you got the game messed up. I think people live in this social media bubble and think that, like, when... Like, I don't know. I just I don't ever feel the need to, like... I make my jokes. I crack my joke on tweet, too. I use social media just as much, if not more, than the average person. But it's just funny that when people really get caught up in how people's opinion of things like that or people's opinion in general really should not matter to you. But, you know... Say <sighs> la vie. Shout out to the LSU Tigers. Shout out to uh, Caitlin Clark and Iowa for a great run. Mm-hmm. When I heard show some class or she's being disrespectful, I'm like, everybody else knows exactly what it means. It's a dog whistle. Yep. Uh, we spend everybody at this point, unless you're being willfully ignorant, should know exactly when people like Keith Oberman, Dave Portnoy. Michelle Tavoya or any other person that's on 
of the European persuasion. <laughs> obviously knows what in terms of talking about it. Because and the funny thing is that Tom Brady Tom Brady's one of the greatest athletes of all time, seven time Super Bowl champion. And he gets heralded. He gets appreciated. He gets nothing but love and throughout in universal respect for acting the way that he does. Even there's times where he's losing, he throws his helmet, be disrespectful to his own teammates, and they call it passion. And they and and they call it and they call it passion. Meanwhile, you can have Cam Newton, who MVP year, everybody was like he was dabbing, this, that, and the third. And it's like everybody was like, oh man, I can't stand, I can't wait till he gets humble. So what's the difference in regards to that? You know what the difference is? Tom Brady's looked at as the plucky white guy who's worked hard. But have you ever heard someone say Cam Newton was lazy? Auburn, Florida, Carolina, even New England. Did Bill Belichick ever say Cam Newton was lazy? I don't think I've ever heard anyone say, like, and this is real rap. Look at the man's physique. Look at the man's stamina. Look how long. He still looks like he could play right now. He'll be one of them dudes like Shannon at 45 who will still look like he could play right now. Even if his body says no. Yeah. So... There is no difference, Chris. The difference is is how the media will always cover black athletes and how the media will cover white athletes, and whether it has no gender to it, it has no age to it. It is literally simply, for lack of a better term, figuratively, literally a black and white thing. Yeah. And honestly, for the longest time and for years, black athletes look like like listen, act like you've been here before, do this, that, and the third, and it's like we are constantly looked at as like. We should just be grateful the fact that in your sport, because as much as I love football, it is very much a white capitalist sport. Yes, 100%. So the fact that we can't have too much fun. No. Because then that will be looked at as disrespectful. We can't show too much passion as opposed to, the, to you know, the white counterparts because that is looked as arrogance. And more importantly, like I said, and honestly, when it comes to, listen, Angel Reese has every single reason to talk the way that she does. Everybody on the LSU Tigers got a reason to talk. Yep. To talk, they talk because they won. It's kind of funny also at the same time where it's like these same people complaining about it where it's like you will also complain about how the league and society is going soft. But meanwhile, her doing the you can't see me offends you that much. Yeah. Yeah, no. I mean, then again, these are the same people that threw a fit when we had to share uh we had to share a water fountain, but that's for another time. Yeah. Remember what our water fountain looked like and they thought that was equal, so Yeah. <laughs> Nothing's ever good enough. But like I said, shout out to the Iowa guys, shout out to the LSU Tigers putting on a phenomenal game. Excellent. Boys, you got a you got your work cut out for you tonight. Shout out to UConn, uh, and shout out to San Diego State. I hope it's a great and awesome game. I hope Kimba and Kawhi are in the building because that would be cool. Uh, that was probably the last time I really like was watching the tournament, watching college basketball when Kimba was killing the game. So yeah. um, I look forward to a good game. But I think there's an elephant in the room that Chris and I need to talk about. A big four night. We're on the fourth night of Elephant. It's been WrestleMania. I think you count five, the event that we were supposed to go to, but – you know, that's neither here nor there. Um, but it's in Philly next year, so we're going to be there. Right. WrestleMania week was 
and is still happening. Uh, this is the final night, I guess, of WrestleMania week. And I'm going to be honest, I still count SmackDown as part of WrestleMania week because we got to see what happens to start SmackDown. So some people are going to debut on Friday as well. So um, let's start with Stand and Deliver, man. Um, awesome event. Sean's been killing it, booking these guys. Obviously, funny enough, we get to see him hit some of his greatest hits. Whether it's the Roxy passing out, whether it's the Gigi and JC Jane uh, breaking up, reminiscent of Sean and Marty. Just his fingerprints and imprints all over this. Obviously, Mellow and Trick being Sean and Diesel reincarnated 30 years later. It's all great. Um, so let's start an easy one. Match of the night for you. Gargano Waller. Yes, easily. Same. Um, you and I both really love Grayson Waller. Um, we think he's Logan Paul, but people accept him because he's a wrestler. They literally have the exact same gimmick. It's hilarious. And what we talk about, Grayson's believable, and I'm like, Logan is a guy. Yeah. But they're the same character, and it's hilarious. And if they were a tag team, it would be incredible. But um, the guy's naturally talented. He's not afraid to take risks. I, I legit can't wait for the day that he's at Mania doing the, you know, uh, between the legs twice, elbow drop off the top of a ladder through th- through, through through the ladder through somebody. It's going to be awesome. It's going to be epic. Um, and, you know, I just hope he gets his flowers for that. Uh, Johnny Gargano, what more can you say about Mr. Takeover, man? Coming to do it one last time. Well, I guess we thought it was one last time before, but one last true time in NXT. Um, I have a really weird thing. Tommaso Champ has been out for a while. I think he's healthy. I think that was the final send-off for Johnny. I think we're about to get DIY versus Sammy and KO in Puerto Rico. I know I'm super fantasy booking and imagine the world, or I mean, we might even get DIY and Sammy KO tonight. You know what I mean? So we'll see. I don't know. Maybe the Usos aren't done. You know, maybe Roman's like, get your belts back tonight or y'all are done, whatever the case may be. But, um, yeah, no. Uh, amazing match. Uh, least favorite match of the night. This is going to shock you. Brian and Mello? Yes. I knew you were going to say that. I think the way it started off was good. I felt like Mello didn't get enough offense in. And if it was supposed to be his showcase, it was supposed to be about. Yeah. And speaking of that, uh, I get by any means necessary that's literally Mello's character in terms of you got to get it done, you got to get it done. But I didn't need the trick Williams interference. I think that was also to keep him heel. Because I think if he does the respect thing, like they're still going to chant you deserve it on Tuesday. Nobody's going to boo him. And I think Sean and them kind of understand at this point, like fans want to cheer for him and Trick. That's why he's been more face-leaning in the last couple months. You have to pull the trigger on that eventually. And I think with Braun being the top babyface being gone, you need the new top babyface. It's Mello. So he can be some sort of tweener, I guess. Or maybe he even turns on Trick. Slowly but surely, like, hey, I don't need your help. You know what I mean? Whatever. Yeah. So um, you never know. There may be a story to tell there, and it may not. But you also, I, I okay, I'm not going to say I get. I do get protecting Bron before going to the main roster. If he hasn't been pinned in what, a year. Yeah. So yeah, you know he's probably coming up tonight. Matter of fact, I'm sure Austin Theory is going to talk his talk on Raw, and Bron Breaker's music is going to come on. And that's going to be your match at Backlash, Breaker versus Theory for the for the U.S. title. Yep. So, um, yeah, I, I agree with you. I would say honorable mention to, and I'm sorry to do this because it feels like I'm coming down on women's wrestling, but I'm not. 
I'm sorry, the tag match was terrible. It was. Um, I don't like Keanu James and Finley, Henley Fallon. I'm not invested in this storyline. I don't like Briggs and Jensen if it makes anybody feel better, <laughs> a.k.a. Dollar Tree, uh, Kaden Murdoch. Like, no, I'm just sorry. You're not about to sell me on this. So, um, But I do like Issa Dawn and Alba Fire. I'm, I bangs with them heavily. So um, I'm not going to lie. Uh, I, I think it's cool that they're tag champs, and I think they're going to help carry that division a little bit. But, yeah, I could have done without that match being on the card, to be quite honest with you. But oh. overall, I'm excited for the direction of NXT. I do want to see a couple uh, – oh, I mean, we didn't talk about the other candidate for match tonight. The North American – is. Uh, by the way, is Wesley the greatest NXT North American champion of all time? Is he there yet? Or is it still cool to you? Cool. Mellow? No, it's mellow, bro. You so, don't think Musley is up there yet? I mean, he, 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 the getting, he getting there. He getting there. He needs, what, one or two more bangers? Yeah. Um, Yeah, no. Uh, awesome match. I, I'll i be real with you. I've not been super invested in the Wesley story. Obviously, we talk about black wrestlers. We're going to support black wrestlers regardless. But I'm going to just be real. I'm, I've not really been invested in Wesley. But, man, I like, what could I say after... Friday, or excuse me, after Saturday afternoon. Uh, that was a master class. Shout out to Ilya Dragunov, who's one of my favorite guys. I've never cried at the end of a match that wasn't like some sort of, and obviously Dragunov's journey to beat Walter or Gunther was emotional, but the finish of the match itself was so good it made me cry. The sleeper, his reaction, his body giving out on him, like it was awesome. It was all great. Um, and Dragunov deserved this moment to shine. Shout out to Dragon Lee, fitting right in, coming and not missing a beat. Yeah. Uh, Axiom is friggin' awesome, and I've really been underrating him. Um, yeah, like, man, th- those five guys set it off. Sh- yo, shout out to Jordan Devlin, a.k.a. J.D. McDonough. That boy can wrestle, man. Like, no, real rap, give him that boy can wrestle. And I like his I like his, uh, his gimmick. I mean, I hope, you know, when he gets to the main roster, he gets to kind of, like, hang out in the IC title, U.S. title scene, maybe get a couple tag title runs. He'll yeah. always be a good hand. Um... But yeah, WrestleMania night one. Um, man, Whew. way to start off the party, right? Uh, obviously, first match of the night was Austin Theory versus John Cena. Uh, if anybody knows Chris and I, there is a very incriminating picture of both of us throwing up the world life from John Cena. While incriminating, bro, we was 12. <laughs> Has John Cena shirts on. Um so you know how far and deep that goes. Obviously, I've been adversarial with John Cena, but I love me some Cena, and it was awesome to see him back on that WrestleMania stage and doing the job for Theory. I think the match could have been better. I think this, and I don't know if you'll agree, Chris, I think this is the first time since John's been doing the more part-time. Like, I would say that SmackDown Live early era, he was more part-time, but this is really part-time where his ring rust has started to show. Is that fair? Where it's like, it, it, he's still smooth. He's still going to hit his spice. Still John Cena. But it's just like, he's not going to give you a 25, 30 minute banger. Like, he can't, he don't really got that. Honestly, I felt like they could have gone 10 more minutes. I think he could have, but just for time constraints, the job, the purpose was just to get Austin Theory over. Exactly. And then he did that. Austin Theory went over. Obviously, nefarious tactics, uh, uh, well placed, low blow, and A Town down later. And. Austin Theory is still United States champion. Uh, no doubt he's going to come out and talk all of his talk uh, tonight at uh, tonight on Raw. So that's going to be awesome to see. Um, I mean, man, uh, match number two, um, if it's not escaping me, was the, the tag, tag team, team, team showcase. 
What more can we say about these four teams, man? I'll be honest. I thought this was a throwaway. Obviously, we all knew the Streets Profits were winning, and this was literally a chance to get them on the car, get them some pop, and get out of there. And in 10 minutes, these guys kind of stole the show night one. I mean, obviously, we're going to talk about the crescendos and the awesome matches that existed on the rest of this card, but, like, shout out to them. Yeah. Shout out to those eight men. Real yeah. rap. They were all cooking. They were all cooking. Everybody from Braun to Ricochet. To to to. No, Braun was getting cooked on, man. <laughs> Yo, that Angelo Dawkins pounce on Braun was an awesome spot. Yeah, and the Chad Gable like uh, uh, rolling German was, on him was yeah. freaking awesome. Um, yeah, man, Otis looked great. Chad, Chad Gable singles run. Yo, seriously, book a Triple H. We need Chad. I need Chad Gable and JD McDonough like I need air. I need Chad Gable and Dragonoff. Oh, disgusting. Drag no. Is Dragunov the one that beats Walt or Gunther for the IC title? He comes up. Think about it. If you keep him at a thousand days, you have him and it's like nobody's starting. Then Dragunov music hits, and you don't need to say nothing. They just get in the ring and stare at each other, and the fans cram holy. But I'm sorry. I'm fantasy booking. Um, yeah, no, awesome match. Great. I, if I had to give it a grade, I'd say a B plus. I would shoot an A. It, for what it was, it didn't overstay its welcome. It got all eight guys over, and the right team won. Um, moving on. Logan Paul versus Seth Rollins. I mean, what more? Like, and I know people are going to be like, oh, there's been rookie. But first, when I say rookie, to me, I mean Ronda Rousey, who has an athletic background, but is no by no means been a professional wrestler her whole life. Kurt Angle had an incredible wrestling background, but had never been a professional wrestler in his life. We talk about incredible rookie years. We talk about Brock Lesnar's rookie year. We talk about Kurt Angle's rookie year. You talk about Ronda's rookie year. You have some incredible rookie years in WWE history. Sheamus' rookie year. You know what I mean? I've never seen anything like Logan Paul. To where I think at this point, I'm there, and this is going to sound messed up as a lifelong wrestling fan, but I'm going to be honest, and I don't mean this in a mean way, but what I'm going to say needs to be contextualized. There are guys in that locker room that I feel like are beneath him. What I mean by that is, like, why would you even book a match with him? Like, meaning... I'm sorry, like, Logan Paul Corbin's not going to happen. Why would I ever face you? Logan Paul versus Elias, and then why would I ever waste? If it's not Seth, if it's not Roman, think about the names he's faced. Miz, Seth, Roman, Rey Mysterio. Like, I'm not stepping in the ring if you're not a Hall of Famer or you're not a main eventer. You feel me? Like, yeah. And I think for him to already be at that level five matches in his career, I, I don't I, I I know Triple H is like, yo, whatever you need, whatever contract wise you need, let me know. If this is not what you want to do, I understand I'll back off, but you gotta see what you got here. You gotta see what we got here. I I I truly believe if he wanted to be, he could be world champion. Like if he really wanted to be, he'd be an excellent heel world champion. A delusional, like, oh look at me, I got the belt going on. He'd be an excellent world champion. I really do think that. Like him doing show, like him doing his impulsive show with the belt over. The, come on, yo! And I'll be like, yo, where you get that from? He was like, yeah, I'm the WWE. Like, Wait, hold on, you wrestle now? That gets more eyes on the audience. Yep, that gets more eyes on him, more eyes on the audience. It intertwines. He can he can bring in other celebrities or other like. So, um, yeah, no, uh, him and Seth man tore the house down. Awesome match, well planned out, well paced, great spots. I love that buckshot lariat. Um. I love the KSI table frog splash uh, spot was awesome. Was a great pop, um, man. I love Seth getting the win. 
You know, I would obviously I love Logan Paul, but Logan Paul doesn't need that win. Seth needed that win for storyline purposes because Cody comes out once the wine, and Seth comes out like, "Hey, listen, I won last night, so I want the Tribal Chief. I don't care what you want." Thusly, we start that rivalry again. You can go right back to that. They haven't seen or not seen her, but they haven't really interacted for a year. You can go right back to it if you want to. So, um, great match. I think 15 minutes or so. Great pace. Uh, really nothing else to say about that. Uh, who would you like to see Logan Paul step in the ring with next? That's the thing. Like, they're premium live events. Like, they're, like, now we're giving like exclusive there. It's like next month they're going to Puerto Rico. They have money in the bank in London. In London, I would like to see him in a money in a bank match. Dog. It's an eight man spot fest. He doesn't need to do that much. And you know he's gonna be willing to take the big chance. Yeah. That. Yes. Yes. You've had some ideas, but yes. Logan Paul for the money in the bank. Hunter, Paul, let me talk to you. Yeah. If you're listening to the show, which I know you don't, Logan Paul needs to be in the money in the bank match. He doesn't have to win it. He's not booking to win it. I actually think he shouldn't win it. He's not ready yet. But holy crap, that moment where he's up in that ladder in that ring, nobody's there, and you making them wait, and you making them wait, and everybody's raining down. And then whoever you have win that, Whoever's the baby face runs up, rushes up to the top, whether it's a flip off the ladder and they win, you just created a star. You're welcome. Um, the next match after this was, I believe, Dominic versus Ray. Yes. Uh, one of my other favorite matches of the night. Dominic's interest was awesome. Ray's interest might have been even more awesome. Shout out to the Eddie feature. Shout out to Snoop Dogg. Snoop Dogg was the MVP of this weekend, bro. Real rap. We'll get to that on night two, but shout out to Snoop freaking Dogg. Um, great match, man. I know people like to make fun of Dom, and I get it. Yes, for whose Dom's father is, for the amount of ring time and people he's probably been around his life, should Dominic Mysterio be better at wrestling? Yes. That's an objective thing to think as a fan. But, but I think, to crap on him because he's in this position doing the best he can be doing, and you feel like there are people that are better than him, that's not fair. Yeah, and when you look at his character work over like the past six months since Clash of Castle and now Judgment Day, like even the stuff that he does, like, Essentially, kind of like in a way off the clock, mm-hmm. whereas like he shows up to Ray's house, where like he shows up to that racetrack to go race uh, Ray Mysterio, where right. like they bust into a Valentine's date with like his mom, with his mom and his pop. Like I feel like people really undersell the the true significance and importance of character work. And the thing is that one thing that Dominic he may lack in the in ring, like he's not going to give you a forty five minute uh, classic like like Eddie or like his his pop will. But the one thing that he is truly honing at this point of his career right now, he gets the loudest booze on, on, on out of anybody on a Monday Night roster, and that's what a real heel does. Yep. I I am tired of the cool guy heels where it's like, yeah, you know, I'm cool. I like to wrestle. Like, no, give me somebody I hate. Yeah. You want to know when I, when I really enjoyed wrestling? When I watch JBL every single week, and I'm just like, yo, I would I wish somebody would just whoop his. Behind right now. No, seriously, I remember that. I can attest that Chris was not a JBL fan. <laughs> just not, not a fan. Like, listen, I didn't even want. Listen, here's the thing. Like, even no way out. I'm like, let's go, Big Show. He's like, you want Big Show to ship? No, I just want JBL to lose. That should tell you something, because Chris and I vehemently hate Big Show, and the fact that he was hate is a strong word. We just don't care. 
But yeah, we never cared about him in the main event scene. Yeah, the hate would no hate's not even too strong. Hate hate shows that we care a little bit too much. You're absolutely right. Yeah, yeah, no. So the fact that it was like, nah, Big Show could be champ for a month till Mania. It was that bad. He had an awesome heel title run, and that's how it should be. It was like, I hate you. Why do you have this belt? Not you don't matter. Not your matches suck. But no, I hate you. Not. So yes, I think him being around Finn and being around Damian in real life and in storyline will only and, and Rhea will only help him be better. Yeah. Only help him be a better performer and better wrestler. And this, with the LWO thing happening, with Judgment Day, with Ray going to SmackDown, with him going, Ray gets to still continue to impart knowledge to him, and other younger guys like Legato gets to work with these guys who have idolized him the same way Dominic has, and then Dominic can continue to build his legacy on Raw. Or Judgment Day can go to SmackDown, and they can keep going at it. You know what I mean? Because well, I Rhea is the SmackDown Women's Champion. So wherever Mommy goes, Dami goes. Yeah, and you also got to think about, like, Dom grew up. Literally with a Hall of Famer who's been wrestling for over thirty years. Yep. And you also got to think like, like there's also going to be some influences from Eddie Conan's probably going to be in his ear every now and then. Yep. So it's like, you got real life OGs telling you what's going. Chavo, you got real life OGs telling you what's good. Yeah. You know what I mean? Shoot, even Vicky. Vicky got herself over as a heel. Think about this. At one point, people boot people forgot that Eddie that was Eddie's wife. Who had Eddie? Every Eddie, everybody loved Eddie and everything about Eddie, and they were able to suspend it at least long. Like I hate this woman and boo her. That is a testament to her character work as as GM. Now it was like one night in Texas. She did like it was like her Dolph and John Cena did like a segment. Mm-hmm. She couldn't get one word off because they were. That's how loud they were booing. And almost she almost broke character laughing about it. Like that's heel heat. So before people talk, put some respect on Vicky Guerrero's name. Um, and the only reason she left WWE to go AWs because they wouldn't have her work on screen anymore, which I understand. But she wanted to be able to work and she wanted to be able to impart the knowledge she feels like she learned in her time in the business, mm-hmm. which is kind of crazy because like I can't wait till she or if she decides to really tell her story because for her to never really be in the business and only get in the business once Eddie passed and then realizing all right I kind of want to do this because it keeps me close to him. And then just falling in love with it is awesome. Yeah. So um, shout out to shout out to Vicky Guerrero, shout out to Dom, shout out to Ray having that father son moment. That was awesome. Um, speaking of Rhea and Judgment Day, next on the card was probably one of the more emotionally awesome and mostly charged matches on Saturday. Um, obviously Rhea Ripley versus Charlotte Flair for the SmackDown Women's Championship. This was a masterclass, dude. Um, one of the most well wrestled. I, would, I, I feel like it does it a disservice to say women's matches. There, I put their two WrestleMania matches up, and I mean this with no harm. If we're talking about matches that qualify, so you mean you had to face this person twice on the main stage of Mania, right? Mm-hmm. The only two matches that compare to that are the Sean and Taker, the Sean and Taker back-to-back. I'd put, the, I'd put Charlotte and Rhea at 36 and Charlotte and Rhea uh, on Saturday up against any two matches in Mania history, and I truly mean that. Their chemistry is off the charts. Their abilities, strength for strength, athleticism for athleticism. When I tell people Charlotte's the best wrestler in the world and they laugh at me or they're like, oh, whatever, it's matches like this and what I prove my point. Even going, even losing, even going out and doing the job, something people say she never does. Because here's the thing. Someone has to win for their losses to mean something. I'm going to say that again. Someone has to win for their losses to mean something, right, Chris? Yep. 
the reason I can't behind almost is not even because I can't squint and see how he could be awesome. He needs to beat somebody I care about first. So then when he loses to someone, it matters more or at least it doesn't or, or even better to give an analogy. It doesn't matter. Charlotte losing Charlotte losing to someone matters. Charlotte losing to someone at WrestleMania matters. Charlotte eating the pen to someone at WrestleMania matters. So, I mean, do you like to add any notes about this match? I I've been just no, reading. great I, I, match, like uh, great match. Five person one. Rhea is a star born, and it's crazy that she's still only twenty six years old. That's ridiculous. Yeah. She's got another decade to dominate. Yeah. <sighs> well, it. the one thing I really do hopefully now is that she won the title. So hopefully now, like I'm curious to see if she's able to now. Be in a position so now she'll be able to elevate, you know, several talents when she gets in the ring with. Like, like we already saw that her and Raquel get a date at NXT. So, like, I, I'd love for that to run that back. Her, yes. and, Li- her and Liv. Yeah. Yeah, I think she's going to have a run of dominance. I mean, even her and Ronda is going to be all. Her and Shayna. Like, you got to, like, there's there's a lot of options there. You're 100% right about that. Yeah, the thing is that. And I think the one thing they do is that, like, even though Judgment Day is here, I think the way that they've painted Rhea, it's like she feels like a tweener. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, because, like, when Damage Control came out and they were talking like crazy to Rhea, Rhea's like, all right, cool, just get in the ring and I'll shut you up. Exactly. Like, normally another heel would just, like, laugh, play it off, so like, nah, I'm good, I don't feel like wrestling today. No, she wants all the smoke. Exactly. She don't care who it is. That's why they call her the Eradicator. Uh, I hope her. I wish her a good and fruitful um, championship run. And, ex- and speaking of good and fruitful championship runs, and speaking of people being salty, can we set this up the way that this needs to be set up? Um, as two friends who've been friends almost twenty years, it's funny how relatable Sammy and Ko's story really is. Um, I say that to say, people a couple of years ago when Sammy and Ko's contracts, both of them were getting nearing to be free agency and. At this point, I'll admit, AEW had a lot of momentum and a lot of great things going for them. A lot of people were saying, get out of there. They're cutting everybody. There's no space for you. They're never going to take you seriously, Sammy. They're never going to take you seriously, KO. And since then, Sammy Zayn has gotten one of the best gimmick matches in WrestleMania history out of Johnny Knoxville and the Jack Behind crew. And Kevin Owens main events in WrestleMania against Stone Cold Steve Austin, a sentence that had he uttered that to his 15-year-old self, he probably would have had a heart attack, thus creating a time paradox of him never existing in the future that we know. Um, and then on Saturday night, as brothers, as best friends, they walked out to the ring and main events at WrestleMania together for the WWE tag team, undisputed tag team titles, the first time in Mania history that the tag team titles have been on the line in the main event. And I think the first tag team main event in Mania since the first one, correct? So we're talking history on history on history with story built in. And this match was once again, another masterclass, emotional, super well worked, um, all the right spots, all the right emotional beats, the right team won. And that moment where Sammy hits Jay with that third halluva kick and gets that pin. And you could just see the vindication in his face. That's how you tell a story. Um, 
I mean, do you have anything to say? I just feel like I feel like this is the I told you so moment. So if you want to take your victory lap on people who thought that Cammy, Cammy, <laughs> Cammy, Sammy and K, Sammy and Ko should have left, uh, please do. The grass is always greener on the other side. Nah. I understand. As a fan, you want to see your favorite wrestles wrestle in a certain way. But we've seen the grass isn't always greener on the other side. You can go on Twitter. You can go on Miro's Twitter page. You can find that out why. <laughs> or, or Andrade, it, even before they got the trios title, nearly all three members of the House of Black. But, <laughs> but it just just goes to show you that. And what we talked about, like in the end, even though Vince isn't quote unquote running things anymore, Triple H learned everything when it comes to being a booker by Vince. Let's call a spade a spade. The same writers are still there. So there's going to be some influence of, even though people hate it, there's going to be some Vince logic booking there. Yeah. Because there, as much as people want to get on Vince and say that he's lost his touch, in some cases he has, but they're also, that's also, there's also a reason why they're a multi-billion dollar corp, uh, conglomerate. Exactly. And they just sold today for over nine, point, over $9 billion. I mean, the man must be doing something right. Yeah. He hired Nick Khan. Yep, but overall, it was a great match, and the biggest thing about KO and Sammy is that, like we said, they learn how to play Vince's game. When you learn how to play Vince's game, your entire WWE career comes a lot more easier. Yep, that's a fact. Because at this point, Vince doesn't care. Like if he quit a thirty-minute class, he's like, oh, I don't care. I got like twenty people who I got people on main event who could do that for me. What else can you do this for me to justify you giving me TV time? I want people to think about this. Who signed Kevin Owens, Chris? Triple H. Who signed Sami Zayn? Triple H. Who trained the Usos? Who main evented Saturday night? All, all four of them. Okay, then. <laughs> Who trained Charlotte? Triple H. Who trained Rhea? Triple H. What was the semi-main? That match. I rest my case. So... I mean, also, shout out to Dusty also. Dusty had No, a but lot. I, I'm saying the reason I, I, I was going to get I'll, to the Dusty yeah. part. No, please. Let's give Dusty his flowers as well because Dusty trained a lot of these guys. I'm saying that to say is, and then there's a split where Triple H takes over, obviously, when Dusty passes, which is more like 2015. But I say that to say Charlotte was still down there in 2015. The Usos were already up on the main roster, but they didn't but, get this But before run. that, it was FCW. And- yep. So, um... What I learned, what I loved about that mania last night is, okay, Shane McMahon was awesome, and Chris and I always pop for Shane McMahon because you know he's one of my favorite guys, and you know who doesn't love Shane O'Mac from our era. Um, shout out to if you've never seen Shane McMahon versus Kane in the ambulance match from Survivor Series 03, I dare you to go watch that match and not have fun. Or him versus Kurt Angle in the Street Fight in 01, which is one of the best matches that I added to there. Um, what was I about to say? Excuse me. Little gas there. Um, but this mania in and of itself, what was awesome before we get to uh, night two, is that it didn't rely on any part-timers. It didn't rely on any legends. Like, Brock at this point isn't a part-timer. And if you and if he is, I, I'm so glad people kind of finally stopped doing this. Oh, Brock's a part-timer just now because he's not in the title scene because Roman's had it so long, even though he was just champion last year. But... Uh, he, you know, he's he's accepted. Same thing as Edge, where it's like Edge isn't, but he is, but he isn't a part-timer. It's like, 
uh, people understand, hey, I, I, I'm 40-something years old and I want to go home with my kids. The longer I'm not on the screen, these people get to wrestle on TV. Yes, when I come back, I'm going to have a pro high-profile match, but you better bet you're behind. I kind of earned that. They're not wrong. Um, So it was a lot of young people on the card. A lot of young teams, and when I say young, I mean young to the WWE audience, not people that you can depend on for star power. Shout out to the Viking Raiders making their uh, debut. Shout out to the Street Profits, three straight, four straight manias, excuse me. Shout out to Braun and Ricochet finding a way onto the card. Shout out to Gable getting on the card. Shout out to Jason Jordan producing the match. So American Alpha was in the building, another NXT. Shout out to Otis being on the card after how they fumbled his money in the bank. Let's just really give some flowers. Shout out to Logan Paul being on this card. Shout out to Seth. Finding a way on this darn car every year, making an impact, being the new Sean, the new Mr. WrestleMania. Because every year I'm going to perform it. Every year I'm going to make an impact. Best wrestler in the world. Yep. Shout out to Miss WrestleMania. No disrespect to Bianca, who's who's getting there, but we know that's the move. We know we need to see. We know where that's going. If we're not getting, I'm gonna be honest. If we're not getting Bianca Rip Bianca Rhea next year at Mania, I need Bianca sure. Charlotte like I need air. I need it because that's it. She'll be the first person to be all four of the horsewomen. And that's the only one she hasn't beat. And we can do, and then you can get Ronda and Rhea, which is like mon another money match, especially if you get A-game Ronda or even Ronda, Rhea, and, and Shayna in a triple threat. That would be fire. But, um, yeah, man, a lot of the young guys. Obviously, then we switch over to night two, which, you know, some people said night one was better than night two. And I would argue I and I enjoy, I hate to do this, but I get it as two nights and, you know, things are split up, so it's going to. I enjoyed night two more than I enjoyed night one, even if some people would say night one left you feeling. If night one left you going home like, yay, night two might have left you deflated, but I think that's an awesome feeling because wrestling is both of those feelings. Um, obviously, we started off with Lesnar and almost. Uh, I wanted to hate on the match, but it was a fun little sprint. My boy got the pin. I guess almost wasn't terrible, so yay. Um... Homo sapiens, we rise. Real rap. So who's next? Uh, yeah, the, the women's tag match. The women's tag team showcase. Uh, anyway, um, psych no. Uh, no, the ladies put their thing down, stepped in and reversed it. Uh, shout out to EO Sky for the big moonsault uh, spot. Shout out to Natty and Shotty for the um, for the heart attack. I think you're mixing both bad. I think you're mix mixing both two matches. Oh shoot! Yeah, I'm tripping. I'm tripping. Uh, uh, somebody went off the top in the women's showcase. Now I can't remember. Oh, but, Chelsea uh, Green. <laughs> yeah, there we go. Sorry. Shout out to Chelsea Green. I love Chelsea Green, by the way. Um, shout out to all the girls getting over, looking good. Um. Obviously, Shayna got hurt, and Ronda wasn't supposed to really wrestle, so it was weird. I got that they wanted to get them a win, but I feel like you could have let a younger team win that, or even you could have let an NXT team be that other team, but it's neither here nor there. I get it. Um, Third match of the night. Why am I drawing a blank? I think it was damage control. Okay, so that's when we get. No, I thought Trish damage controlling them was night one. Oh, yeah, it was. It was? Yeah, it was. That was night one. Yeah. I was saying, we skipped over that. Anyway. Wow. Trish Stratus, you still got it. Trish Stratus, you still got it. All jokes aside, shout out Becky Lynn. Shout out Damage Control looking strong. Shout out EO Sky. What do you do with Damage Control at this point? 
they're great hands that know how to keep getting themselves over. You let them keep being bad guys that you wanted to get punched in the face. Miz has been getting constantly punched in the face for 16 years, and it never gets old. When you're a good heel, people always are going to want to find a way to see you lose. And you'll always do something to get the crowd invested in the scene you get your behind with, even if they know you're going to get your behind with. <laughs> so, um, yeah, uh, what else? Uh, oh, the triple threat match. Oh, yeah. Oh, the, right. the match of the night. The match of the weekend. Um, and it's funny because, so, Chris, me, and our homie Corey, shout out to Corey. We all had a night two watch party impromptu at my crib. And um, let's just say there were party favors going on. And I don't know if all of us were at the same accord. But during that match, it was like we reached a zenith of like, this can't keep getting better. And it just kept getting better. What can we say about Shane? Has anybody ever had a late career run like this? Like, can you compare it to any sports run? Like to contextualize it of someone like I, I don't know Kurt because, Warner. No, but it wasn't like but like Kurt Warner couldn't even get in the league. Sheamus was good, but he was never great. And then now he's just been consistently the last three to four years great. I can't think of any. It's 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 almost completely unprecedented. I don't know, maybe Rich Cannon. That's the only thing I can think of, like Someone just being good and then finally just like the last four or five years of their career. I mean, I guess maybe John Elway, but even Elway was always like he's kind of great. So like, I don't know, bro. I don't know. I mean, how do you feel? Like, I don't know. Like, I feel like that different kind of time match, it was had all the right components to write. It didn't need that much story. Like the three talents in the ring kind of sold it itself. And I feel like now, it's now to me like a baseline where it's like, if you want to get people to watch the E, or like you want to show them like a great Intercontinental title match, you want to see people like really do with the Workhorse title, then that's your match right there. That's the greatest Intercontinental match in WrestleMania history. Yep. I love Steamboat Savage. I've actually watched that match several times. I'm sorry, man. I've never seen anything like what Gunther and Sheamus and 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 and, and Drew McIntyre did uh, on a set uh, uh, yesterday. I mean, <sighs> incredible. Um, I guess <laughs> next is the uh, the awkward segment. Miz and Snoop come out to do their little host segment for night two. Yeah. Um, Snoop books Miz. The fact that Snoop can book matches is my favorite part of this, by the way. <laughs> he just randomly has GM privileges. But then it's like, it's Snoop. No, who's like the greatest like side quest celebrity ever? Like, he's just like done with the story and done with side. Hit Snoop Dogg or Shaq? I don't know, man, because Shaq gets into it when he's into it. And both have been on AEW and WWE, which is awesome. Yeah. I don't know, man. I don't know. I would say Shaq has taken more spots than Snoop, so I'm going to go Shaq. Shaq went through a table with Cody. That's fire. I'm going to say Shaq, but uh, Snoop definitely gained some respect yesterday. I, that was awesome. Um, Shane O'Mac comes out. I mean, obviously, I popped huge. Uh, Chris popped. It was awesome. Um, then he popped the squad. Then he came. Oh, my God. <laughs> I was getting there. He goes to do a leapfrog. He lands, and you can clearly see some meat ain't on the bone. The fact that him and his father are both torn their quad and WWE rings should be lost on no one. Um 
Like that's obviously that, that's that's a shame. Obviously, then Miz kind of buys some time, and then Snoop, I guess, gets the call in his ear, or just kind of audibles to Snoop. I mean, audibles to Miz, and he just punches Miz's life out. Um, then proceeds to do one of the weirdest, softest looking people's elbows ever because you know also Snoop is not a trained wrestler and is almost a fifty year old man. Um, it's, I'm sorry, it's over a fifty year old man. This is the dog father, the grandfather, the grand dog father at this point. Um, does an elbow drop, picks up the pin, and I'll be honest, that was awesome. <laughs> and no, Shane getting hurt wasn't awesome, but to see Snoop have to improvise and call his own match real quick on the fly. And Miz be the freaking professional that he always is, being put in these awkward little dumb spots and just doing what he's supposed to do. You can make fun of Miz forever, but that man got a pension and some people don't. Um, so, yeah, no, uh, great, great spot. Uh, then to the Hell in a Cell match. Uh, yeah, Oscar Bianca. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, Oscar Bianca, excuse me. Uh, great match, man. Great match. The girls did their thing. Uh, Oscar. Had an awesome entrance. Bianca had a really awesome entrance. Awesome moment for black girls. You know, when my baby Logan gets a little bit older and wants to really get into wrestling, I can't wait to show her that entrance in that match as, you know, Bianca being able to be someone she can look to that looks like her and that can represent her. And, you know, so uh, hard-hitting physical. Miss WrestleMania does it again. Three and on the big stage. Back-to-back-to-back world title wins. What can you really say? Um... It's her time to shine. Um, babe, Lady Cena, as they've been calling her. Uh, yeah, man. Yep. Best, one of the best women's wrestlers. One of the best wrestlers on the planet. Yep. And then we, now, now we got a hell of a cell. Shoot. She the best. Shoot. She the best wrestler in her marriage. Sorry, Tez. I mean, you're not wrong. <laughs> I'm just keeping it. There's no, there's no shade to Tez. I think he'd tell you that, too. Mm. Um, now it's time for Hell in a Cell. Edge's entrance was awesome. It was weird, though, because it was supposed to be Gangrel with him, supposedly. He didn't come out to the actual Brood song. He came out to Slayer, which I guess was cool. The gear was great. First of all, it's not Edge. It's Brood Edge. Oh, the fact that they kept saying Brood Edge and then, like, on his, like, tights it said Brood Edge really peeved me off. It's like the Seth freaking Rollins thing. I would love if the announcer, when he won, said Seth freaking Rollins, but then sometimes if he just called him Seth Rollins, I don't like that it has to be Seth freaking Rollins. It's annoying and it's, and it's very stupid. Um, Valor obviously being a demon for once again. I just have to say, in hindsight, I was feeling this match in the moment. I mean, obviously, party favors aside, I hated this match. Really? Yeah, I'm thinking back on it and I'm just like, Edge didn't need to win. You beat the demon again on pay per view. I think they called an audible because Finn. Swing got split it. So why you he gave him a concerto. Audible? And a concerto's not really a concerto anymore, man. No, but I'm just saying, Chris, if you're saying the audible, why did the win have to change? It's not like I couldn't he they had a whole match after that part. I don't think you remember that. I do. The man did a coup de grace off the side of the cage. You forgot about that part? Yeah, but he missed it. Listen, I, I don't know how Brood, Brood Edge's powers work. And I'm not going to sit here and explain it to you because I still don't know how it works. <laughs> I'm sorry, bro. But, but think about, like, the purpose of the story was for Edge to finally get his come up. Think about Edge... 
as literally came to the fact that the next time you go to Toronto, that's going to be his last match. He has a shelf life in terms of what he needs to do and what he needs to finish. Okay, so shouldn't he be putting over as many people as he can? Unless this feud isn't over. I mean, I'm pretty sure Judgment Day is going to go after Ray for Bagalia. But here's the thing, like, Finn, I mean, here's the thing, Balor made Edge say I quit, like, back in October. I was like, with that, I'm, I'm one of those few people where it's like, I don't think Finn losing the way that he did is going to affect the stock, especially with Triple Triple H loved the guy also. Right about that. And you also have to think, like, how much it took for Edge to took down the demon. Because it, it's not like, oh, because it's not like he, like, fell off of uh, a turnbuckle that Stop. that magically exploded. Stop. Stop. No. We don't talk about that, Mike. I would have rather him book him, like, beating the demon to death with a chair and then winning the match, like Stone Cold at WrestleMania 17. But to insult my intelligence and to have a, a random turnbuckle, Chris. You brought it up. That was the that's the only dumb title defense of Roman's whole reign. If you take that title defense out, this I mean it's still a legendary run, but it's like why did you need to have that in there? I don't know, but if we're doing this whole like why did this person need to win when this person needed it more, then let's talk about the main event. <laughs> Listen, I can go over, I can convert back to my roots and be a hater. And I'm being a hater right now. Wow. The story should have ended. You literally could have had an entire year of Roman Reigns going berserk, blaming everybody on his family, blaming the wise man, blaming the fans, then eventually bringing Rock in. If they so, they, and I swear to God, if that's the reason why they called, if that was ultimately the reason why there's like, yeah, we don't want to take this belt off Cody because we still think we can possibly get Rock for uh, next year's Mania. I'm like, are you freaking kidding me? No, I think the audible was that he was never going to lose the belt because he was going to beat Fritz the Rock. But when they couldn't get the Rock, they threw everything into Cody when they knew Cody would be ready. That makes sense for how this match got booked. Cody was never going to be him because it was never the plan for him to face Cody. Think about it. Cody, what is everybody who's argued that it should have been Sammy versus Cody said? What has been their entire basis of their argument, Chris? The crowd? No, 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 no. Just, no, no, not the crowd. The entire basis of their argument has been there hasn't been enough time. He shoehorned into this. There's no story. And you're right. The story was always leading to with the hints that they kept dropping, with the things they kept saying was rock, Hollywood, and SoFi, correct? Yes. 
obviously Sammy got put into that, but then we invested in the Sammy part. But don't forget, everybody thought, oh, this got to lead to The Rock either ending this or he beats The Rock. He has to beat The Rock and be cool, put it in the resume, blah, 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 blah. Once they couldn't get The Rock, they had to pivot. And that's why I think everything got pushed down the card. Because, remember, it was supposed to be Cena versus Logan Paul at one point. But that got called off. So then because they pushed Cena down to Austin Theory. So I don't know how. Maybe I think we would have gotten Seth and Austin Theory at Mania. So now you see how the card kind of shifted over time. In my mind, that's how I. That's what I think. I could be wrong now. I don't know. Personally, I didn't get it. Match was great. Match was awesome. Yeah. Um, and also they protected Cody by making sure that Solo interfered. Yeah. He didn't. He first of all, one was. I mean, you can say he, a lot of his wins weren't clean, but like he needed that. He first of all, people forget he just had gotten hit with a bionic elbow and was about to get hit with four a fourth crossroad. It was a rat. So they're not. I don't, I, I, Cody can win the belt again at some point. But now here's me, here we are, right? The people who are already going to cheer for Cody are still going to cheer for him when he wins the belt. Correct or not correct? All right. But here's so my now what all you're doing is securing that the people who felt it was unearned or felt, oh, well, somebody else, by the time Cody comes back around, if they tell this story right, he should be the only person that should ever get that win. It should be inside itself. Somehow, there's no interference, whatever, and he gets that clean win. Okay. But... But I think this is that isn't the purpose of WrestleMania kind to tie up a loose end and bow tie story still? No. Yeah. Okay. You don't think this loose end got tied? Okay. And also, some manias have, have, have continued on because how do you get the WrestleMania rematches at Backlash most years? Oh, yeah. That's lazy booking. <laughs> I mean, fair. Yeah. But I'm just saying, like, what if, I'm just saying, like, what if WrestleMania 14, like, Sean was like, you know what? We can make Austin wait a little bit, wait more longer before we pull that trigger on it. Before we really Sean's begin. Sean's back was hurt. That was never going to be the case. I'm just saying in an alternate universe. In an alternate universe, there was no one who didn't want Austin to win the belt. There are people who don't think Cody should win the belt. And I get it. You can't please all the fans. But the truth of the matter is, I, I, I'm going to go with, the, and my belief is, okay. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. 80, 81,000 people screaming, whoa, to the top of their lungs. I'm going to take their opinion over the silent, over that that little, large, loud minority in that, on Twitter. You think I'm talking about Twitter people's opinion. I'm thinking some people backstage still are like, mm, I'm not sure yet. I really do think that. Because if you're saying there's no other reason, then what other reason do you have to keep the belt on Reigns unless you feel like there's more meat on his bone or they have someone else picked out to win that title from him? It could be Seth. It could be Jay. It could be Solo. It could be Bray. It could be somebody not on the roster. It could be Melo in two years. You never know. They It just might not be Cody. Yeah, shoot. What if Triple H's announcement is like, due to light of interference, we've been seeing this time and time again, I'm stripping... Raymond Reigns of the WWE Championship. He's still Universal Champion. But tonight on Raw, for the first time, we will have a WWE cha- not for the first time, but we'll have a WWE Championship match between Cody Rhodes and and then it's somebody returning or Seth and it's Cody versus Seth for the title tonight. Alright, that's fine. But to me, like... He's alright, that's fine. He's like, alright, I actually would take that. <laughs> that's fine. I feel like at this point, they just booked themselves to the corner of like giving him both belts. 
Which is why yeah, I no, that was always dumb. Yeah, to me, like, which is why I didn't like the winner take all match. Mm. Where it's like, I don't care. Roman could do his own thing in the whole like Roman Reign Tribal Chief universe. He could do his own thing. That's, but like, you're also kind of shoehorning and you're kind of crippling Raw at the same time without having like an actual ch- world champion. Yeah, you, him as Universal Champion and the WWE Championship just existing on the other side of him just dominating was awesome. I don't understand why they felt the need to to like mess with that formula for a Brock match when especially when you look at everything else on the card where it's like, oh well, I don't want him being champion. Those are like, so why do we have a SmackDown Women's Champion and a Raw Women's Champion? Exactly, it just made everything look dumb. And it's like his dominance was so much that we just was like, no, you could have just kept it apart because you're a company. (laughs) You didn't have to let him get both belts. Yeah. And so I think I think now what I will say is I think as much as this Roman story and this. I think that might have been a Vince thing, and then everybody kind of had to just rock with it. I know we do the whole, if it's bad, it's Vince, if it's good, it's Triple H, but I just feel like why would a guy who's done such a good job of managing and making sure the belts matter in NXT have made a decision like that about belts? A guy who, with his own title reigns, whether you want to believe it or not, protected you from people like Scott Steiner, who would have been an inconsistent champion, protected you from a lot of guys who either couldn't be champion or really wouldn't be able to carry a company. You can say whatever you want about Triple H's golden shovel, but I dare you to go back and really point out, besides the obvious issues with the Booker T thing, and really point out people who either A, didn't put over, or B, didn't deserve. And I guarantee if you really think about it, you'd be like, mm, it's kind of right. He put Jeff Hardy over. Put um Randy over. Put Batista over. Put John over. Put John over. Who is, who is, who is he burying? He didn't put the belt on Kevin Nash. He didn't put the belt on Kane. <laughs> He didn't put the belt on Scott Steiner. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. All three Kane was different, though. I mean, he was, but, like, Kane was never going to be able to, especially that version of Kane was never going to be able to be the face of the company. He could have been champion for a little bit, but he's never going to be able to be the face of the company, the face of the show. I'm being real. Sean never wanted the belt. Taker could have had it at any point. He didn't want the belt. Who else back then? I really want you to think, bro. You watched just as much as I did back then. Who else would have really deserved, now that you know what you know about the company, who else deserved to be champion? Please tell me. On Raw? Yeah, we talk about the Reign of Terror. Who really deserved to be champion? Be real. No one. No one. Like, be real with you. Who really would have been able to carry it week to week the way Hunter did? Because as soon as they got somebody, as soon as Cena was ready, who got on Raw? As soon as Batista was ready, what did Triple H do? I'm going to go chill. I want you to think. I think from, let's say from 02 to 05, let's say from, screw that. And we got a text, ladies and gentlemen. Sorry. No, I was about <laughs> to show tonight. My bad. Um, so, like, from oh, from 99 to 05 is most of his majority of his title runs. And then he loses the belt in 05 to Cena. And then he wins it a couple of times in there in, like, 09, 08. Like, once in 2010, he obviously has that hilarious him winning the Rumble, which is still one of my favorite Rumble victories ever. It was like, what did you thought this was? Like, <laughs> but, um, and he made himself number 30, which is even more hilarious. But, uh. He wasn't champion anymore because why? There were guys that Vince trusted. There were guys that he trusted to carry that ball so he didn't have to. So this reign of terror that everybody talks about, the reign where nobody could have gotten over, I was like, please go back and look at some of the people where you were trying to convince me you should have taken the belt off Triple H. And really be real with yourself. Don't get in your feelings because this was your favorite wrestling kid. Be real with yourself. Think about it from an adult lens about who draws money, who makes money, and who, the, and who really should have been world champion. I mean, Goldberg was cooking, though. And they put the belt on him. And then guess what? Triple H, I need it back. No, that's not what happened. Goldberg sucked as world champion. 
You want to listen to Goldberg promos? No. Who's supposed to carry future? First of all, I only Goldberg. I only Goldberg to talk. Yes, you do. Because you didn't need Goldberg to talk. Brian Cage would be the best wrestler on the planet. Mm. I mean, by that logic, why put the belt up at why? Who name me one Benoit promo you ever loved? That was about to be super out of pocket. Never mind. Yeah. I know. I had a feeling what you was about to do. No. God no. I I will mute your mic, man. I will. Oh my god! Why? 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 No, I was just cause you know what made me think of that. Oh my god! And no, no, I really it's not in the, like, like obviously, but like the most unhinged. Oh no! Oh my, my bad. Uh, no, the twins are cooking the Marlins right now. Eat nothing. Oh her. The most unhinged meme I've been seeing recently, right? Is it's like a it's like two Muppets. It's like Elmo talking to someone else, and it's a superimposed image on Elmo, and then Crispin Watts theme song starts playing, yeah. and people have been using it as like somebody will say something, and then like Elmo just stares at kid. I'm like, this is the most unhinged, messed up meme I've ever seen in my life. What is wrong with y'all? Like, please send me the link. I cannot believe y'all. This is disgusting. Where is this? Yo, I was just like, who did this? Because it was like, oh, they said McDonald's is taking the McRib off of the menu or something like that. And somebody put that on. I was like, wow. No, McDonald's, real talk. Bring back the snack wraps, though. No, real rap, though. Real <laughs> rap, though. Like, he not wrong. Bring back them snack wraps. Like, like what is y'all doing? <laughs> like, Three minutes. Three minutes. All right. <laughs> it's Raw after Mania tonight, y'all. So eight o'clock. I'd advise you. Yeah, we 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 waited a little too late to like start recording. So yeah. Yeah, that's okay. That was my fault. I, was, I thought I had a hair appointment earlier. I didn't. But uh, overall, great great rest, great WrestleMania. Probably the best one since thirty one. Yeah, easily. Yeah. And I feel like now, like I feel like Hunter slowly but surely making the, is definitely making the stride of the Booker. Yes. Like, dog, can you imagine, like, if they decide to split the titles and that's, like, the king of the ring tournament? Oh, my goodness. Like, in... <gasps> that would be awesome. That's the king. Yeah, think about it. Cody, Seth, Lashley, Austin Theory. Ron Breaker. Ron Bre- If he comes up. If. You know he about to come up right now. Theory's going to be like, since I'm the new job... I got it. Theory comes out. I was like, since I put John Cena away, I'm guessing y'all hoping for an open challenge tonight. You open challenge, and then Bronze music hits. And I'm like, oh, check rock. Oh, you're a Breaker fan now? I never was not a Breaker fan. I'm just a Mellow fan first. What you mean? Okay, I'm just nothing but net. Stop playing with me, Chris. All right. All right. But Chris Thomas. Small Thomas. And you've been listening to the Running Back Sports Show, Sports for the Culture, every Tuesday at 98.5 WJYN and on Untitled Radio, Philly.org. We want to thank everybody for tuning in tonight. Once again, be safe, take care of your mental health, and support, and support women's sports, y'all. Take it easy. <laughs>